What initially got you interested in working with Native American tribes? And uh, how did you like, how did you get involved with this project? Yeah, um, so this all really began with um, Cindy Schmidt. Have you talked to Cindy yet? Yes, I have. Okay, so she, did she give you a background of the Indigenous People's Capacity Building Initiative yeah. and all of that kind of stuff? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, the, the working with the Indigenous community really began um, through my mentorship with Cindy Schmidt. Um, she started as my mentor when I was an intern with the DEVELOP program and um, has really been a fantastic leader to me and mentor um, over the 10 years that I've been at, at Ames. And um, this is something that she had been trying to um, get going for a really long time through um, talking with folks at headquarters and, and really um, advocating for the inclusion of this community within the work that we do in capacity building and applied sciences. Um, and, and I think the, there's real value because there's this large and important community uh, that we have here in the U.S. that we oftentimes don't work with closely. And, and, and as NASA being a federal agency, taxpayer funded, um, we really do need to focus on the issues facing the people here at home. And so, um, you know, the, that's how I got started working with the Indigenous Peoples Capacity Building, really through Cindy's passion and her recognition and um, sort of recognizing these things myself um, as, as I wasn't very closely connected with the Indigenous community through childhood, through, um, you know, undergrad and graduate work, but um, have kind of um, only recently in the past few years started to connect um, with this group. And, I, and the value I've seen is really to include um, this, this sort of holistic view of how we see the world as earth scientists. And there's a lot to be gained in these relationships. So that's how I got started. That's uh, really interesting that you that you have a background with this, with working with Cindy Schmidt and the IPP, because I know this is a project that she's been working on for a while, and it's 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 uh, nice to see that it's starting to bear fruition. Can you talk a little bit about the research you are doing with the uh, Indigenous Peoples Pilot remote sensing? Um, and this can include like research goals you are trying to achieve, or what you have already accomplished with respect to your research. Yeah, I think ultimately this started off by um, working with the indigenous community and creating the remote sensing trainings that um, were particularly uh, focused on indigenous lands. Um, so another program that Cindy and I have worked together on is called RSET, the Applied Remote Sensing Training Program. And so we were both really familiar with um, creating trainings on the use of remote sensing for many different applications in land management and water resources. Um, but again, we didn't see any real connection to these important land bases of the indigenous community. You know, when we think about biodiversity and the fact that um, I think it's around 80% of biodiversity globally is located on indigenous lands, um, you know, it's really important to focus on these regions. And so, you know, we were doing these RSET trainings, and the idea initially was to 
create something similar, but to have in-person meetings and trainings with indigenous groups, um, creating exercises focused on their lands and their issues. Um, so that's where it started. And, and now I think it's really involved evolving into, um, including indigenous voices in the larger geospatial global geospatial community. Um, things like, um, the group on earth observations or geo, um, the, um, that's an international organization, uh, with many, um, different, uh, space agencies involved and, really high level political, um, folks. And, and so, you know, bringing, bringing indigenous people to the conversation and to the table, um, to talk about their land and their importance of it is, is sort of where we've, we've morphed and where we've gone. Um, and, and I think it's not directly related to the indigenous capacity building, but in, in part of those connections that we've made and those relationships that we've established through the years, um, I've also been able to work on um, a project with the Navajo Nation, um, and that's the one that um, Anna Claire and Crystal are, are working on um, me with. And that is, that's funded under NASA's Western Water Applications Office, or WAO. And um, it really began as an internship project where we visited with folks from the um, Navajo Nation Department of Water Resources, talked to them about their issues, what they needed to see. Um, in terms of drought monitoring, and that that's that morphed into a relationship with a group of student interns, and that got us going on that path. And then um, that pilot set the stage for the current project funded under Applied Sciences, where we're creating co-developing this tool for the Navajo Nation and including them in the development stages, including their data, including their land boundaries and including their feedback onto what they need and want. And so I think it's a, it's a good lesson for how we can continue to work with um, indigenous communities and, and really listen and engage in this feedback process um, because it's important to not only to you know, provide trainings on their lands, but for us as scientists to contextualize our work and to understand why it's important to the more holistic earth system. So there's a real back and forth there, I think. And you have already spoken a little bit about this, but uh, what are your goals with working with the Navajo nation and specifically what could they, like in terms of engagement goals, how are you engaging the local population to assist in your research and how, how are they benefiting from it as well? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and is, and I think having these relationships are so valuable and I see the real value in continuing them. Um, oftentimes in earth science and applied sciences project at NASA, they are um, a specific set of time that you have to complete the project. So you have two to five years, maybe if you're lucky. Um, and, and I think when, when you're working with an indigenous community, especially being someone from a federal agency coming in to work on their lands, there needs to be a lot of time for uh, setting up relationships and building trust and um, listening to the community, um, which is hard to do in that short period of time. And so, you know, what we've tried to do is we've had the advantage of, um, you know, starting with the internship project having having these sort of these connections going through multiple projects 
And, and I think for the future too, what we want to um, achieve is to continue the, these types of projects. My, um, the WAO uh, Navajo drought project, the DSET project is slated to end this August, but we are um, planning to do more work with um, not only the water resources department there, but the department of agriculture in a um, new project where we're um, using a platform called OpenET, which looks at evapotranspiration on agricultural lands and um, helps with consumptive water use and um, using that platform and creating a case study for the Navajo Nation as well. Um, and the other, the other thing that um, has been really valuable for me is we, we now have a, um, an intern who is Navajo. Um, we, had, we had one in the past. We have a new intern. Her name is um, Nikki Tooley. And um, she grew up on the Navajo Nation, and she um, understands the issues, especially related to water resources. She's a graduate student. Um, I believe she's a PhD candidate now at the University of Arizona. And so she has been really valuable in contextualizing and um, thinking about how the community will receive this project and the outcomes. Um, and one really cool thing we're planning to do for that is to have her um, create an introductory video in Navajo. Um, and language is really, really important. Um, and so having that, having somebody who, know, who speaks the language and can convey that to the community through um, like an, a video or a message about our work, I think is going to be really valuable for it to, to continue on. And are there any uh, other challenges that you have encountered or overcome during your experience working with the Navajo Nation, not just with research, but also with forming these relationships and, and, keeping, and keeping them up to date and making sure that they feel like they're getting something out of it too? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And I think um, we all, especially, you know, with these times, have to reflect on what we don't know and our biases that we've collected throughout life uh, and how we, we come to a people, how we, how we speak to people and how we come to a place. And so um, there have definitely been times where I foot in my mouth and said the wrong thing. Um, but I think those have led to learning experiences and, and listening experiences and, and growth. And so I think um, a lot of times when you, you go to a place or work with a community that you're not familiar with, um, you have to recognize that and, and also sort of recognize the place of privilege in which you come and your life experiences. So, so you know, there, there have been challenges in that regard, but, um, but I'll tell you, I've, I've learned so much and I, I continue to learn and um, try to improve upon how we we make these connections and we have these relationships and um, you know, there, there's a lot we can improve upon. Um, I think uh, coming into a place, not being from the place and recognizing that is, is essential. Um, I also think that, that um, spending time on the relationships is so valuable. Um, you know, oftentimes as scientists, we can think about, Oh, we need to, produce this product or do this technical uh, research and analysis and we lose sight of the personal 
um, parts of it. And so just having that dialogue and that back and forth and, and that recognition um, in a continuous manner is really important. And then the other thing that I've learned so much about is actually visiting these places. So going to tribal lands um, and meeting with people face to face and hearing from the their scientists but also hearing from their community members and their elders about what's important and how they view the world and, and the place that they're coming from. So, so I think that's something I've learned a lot too, is that it's really valuable to, to, to meet people where they are and meet people in, in person, which we can't do a lot of right now, unfortunately. Um, but that's been, I think, really valuable to the work. It sounds like interpersonal relationships are really important to maintaining the maintaining the connection with the community, and being a, and and like it sounds like showing your face and going to events and learning from the individuals is, is showing that you're not just there to do research, but you're there to build build a foundation for further work and a working relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, listening. I mean, it sounds it sounds really simple, but it's really hard for us to do sometimes just listen to each other and acknowledge each other. And you also spoke about the, uh, a little bit about your, the work on, on the drought severity evaluation tool. They, I think, I believe was released recently or is slated to be released. Could you speak a little bit about that and its impacts? Yeah, sure. Um, so there, there is an, a, a version online now. Um, we're still working out some of the kinks. Um, as I mentioned, the, the project is slated to end at the end of August. But um, so it, it's called the Drought Severity Evaluation Tool. It is a, a web-based platform that provides a user-friendly interface to um, evaluate patterns of drought using um, satellite data, uh, model data, as well as ground-based data of precipitation totals Uh, monthly precipitation totals um, that the Navajo Nation Department of Water Resources collect across the nation. And it's built off of um, a tool called Climate Engine, which is a really popular interface for the climate geospatial community. And and that's built on top of Google Earth Engine. So what it allows the user to do is to um, make maps and create time series of Um, say, precipitation data alongside um, drought indices um, using the power of of Google Earth Engine in the cloud to conduct all of this analysis online. Um, And when we decided to create this sort of spinoff tool for the Navajo Nation, we knew it was really important to include their agent, their boundaries, so administrative boundaries, they have, um, you know, the, the Navajo Nation is a sovereign tribal nation, and um, they have um, agencies, which are sort of like U.S. states, and chapters, which are like U.S. counties. So they have five agencies and 110 chapters, and they really want to be able to evaluate droughts amongst the chapters on these pretty localized regions. Um, and a lot of what's out there right now doesn't doesn't include their land boundaries and include statistics and analysis based on those land boundaries. And so the the real goal for this project was to um, side by side, be able to look at the remote sensing data as well as their ground-based information 
to create maps and to do time series analysis of drought severity within the regions that need it most and to see um, which regions across the, the Navajo Nation may be more severely experiencing drought. Have there been any results that have stood out to you, surprised you? Well, just recently, uh, we've been looking at the um, this past year's drought conditions. And um, one thing one thing that we're working on now is we um, we are publishing a paper based on um, the the tool and providing some case study examples of the tool. And um, one thing we did notice was currently the Navajo Nation uses an index called the Standardized Precipitation Index, what we call the SPI. And that just looks at precipitation deficits. Um, so are they are they getting more or less precipitation than they have in the in the past? And um, that's the metric on a six month basis. That's the metric they used to declare drought emergencies on the nation and to send funding and allocating resources and dollars um, to help alleviate drought. And one thing we noticed recently was. We looked at a, a different index, an index called the um, um, the Eddy, and it's the Evaporative Demand Drought Index, and that index also includes um, temperature and um, evapotranspiration. And so, with that index, we noticed that the the drought developed much more quickly and severely than what that, that initial SPI index showed us. So it has the potential to maybe um, be used as an early warning system for drought. Whereas if you only use that first index I mentioned, um, the emergency declaration may be delayed and may not come until the drought is really severe. Whereas if you um, are looking at these other indices, there may be um, more lead time to help alleviate for the drought and to, to send resources. And so that's just one of many things that we have kind of been evaluating. Um, but it's really, you know, the idea is really for the, the managers to use the tool. So it's not about, you know, the, the results that I'm seeing and, and playing with and developing as a researcher. It's about how they are going to use it for their decision-making in the, in the future. And how do you see future climate change and increasing global temperatures affecting the drought situations on the Navajo Nation? Well, the Navajo Nation has already been experiencing um, more severe and more pro prolonged droughts. I mean, the, the southwestern U.S. is is prone to these mega droughts. We've seen throughout, throughout the history of, uh, even with um, looking back hundreds of years through tree ring records, um, the Southwest has these multi-decadal droughts even. Um, and so, so I, I think the, the, um, both the severity and the occurrence of drought uh, may be um, increased. Um, I'm not a climatologist, so I can't claim to know exactly um, how those will develop. But I do know um, that what, what we're seeing throughout much of the, the globe is um, not really a trend in precipitation um, changes in terms of the total, but we're seeing more extremes. So we're seeing um, bigger floods and more severe droughts. And the variability is increasing under a warming climate. 
and that's that we're observing that in in many places across the world. And and I could definitely see that being um, uh, a trend that we see also on the Navajo Nation in the future. How does the ongoing engagement with the Navajo Nation benefit NASA? Hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think engaging with the Navajo Nation and other indigenous communities allows us to see all of these aspects of our Earth system as connected. And I think that's something NASA does really well. And that's what, and NASA prides itself on the ability to monitor, you know, global changes as well as, um, you know, our universe. And in the, in, in many indigenous cultures, the humans and the, the natural system are all connected. And to, to provide that feedback and to, to, to more appropriately include indigenous knowledge systems into our understanding of science, I think is, is really invaluable to all of us as, as earth scientists and in particularly to NASA as we like to look at these systems in the same way that it has been um, taught through their oral traditions and their teachings and, and their culture. And so, um, you know, I would say that NASA probably has more to, ga to gain um, from including these voices in, in, our, um, in our science and, and in the way that we do our work. Well, it's nice to know that that is a two-way street in terms of the engagement to know that both sides are learning from each other and benefiting from this cooperation. Uh, how, where are you looking to take or expand your research to? Is there, are you looking just to keep it on reservation or on the uh, tribal lands? Or are you looking to take this to other tribal nations? Or are you looking to expand your research just within the Navajo Nation? That's a good question. Um, so I, I think that the tool that we have developed um, could be applied to other regions, other tribal regions um, in the US and globally. So the climate engine interface that um, is sort of, that DSET sits on um, includes global data. So all of the satellite, um, NASA satellite data, as well as many of the modeled products are global. So you could, you could essentially use the tool and zoom into an area of interest and look at it. Um, however, I do think in order to um, include other indigenous groups in, in that conversation, it would need to be a long-term extended project, which we don't currently have plans for, um, like you know, using the tool for, um, say, like the Rosebud Sioux Tribe or um, you know, the Samish Nation or anything like that. And I think that would really take a larger engagement process. Um, so, so right now I'm just focused on kind of continuing my work with the Navajo Nation, but, but for our indigenous people's capacity building initiative, I think the, the real goals for, for that are to, um, I think number one is to have it be run by an indigenous scholar. Um, because currently it's, you know, me and Cindy Schmidt. Um, and we are both white women. And, um, you know, while, you know, I think we've been able to engage with the, the community, I think we need someone at the helm 
who walks in both of these worlds and, and understands what it means um, to be indigenous and to be a scientist in what we consider our, you know, Western science world in quotes. Um, so I think that's a real goal. And then I think, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, um, increasing indigenous participation in these global initiatives so that, you know, so that we're not necessarily limited to U.S. federally recognized tribes. We include indigenous people throughout the world in these larger um, political gatherings and um, global efforts to, um, to understand the earth. So I think those are kind of two primary larger maybe a little esoteric goals for um, the indigenous people's capacity building initiative as well. And what has been the most rewarding part of participating in the research with the Navajo Nation for you personally? Mm, that's a great question. I mean, again, it goes back to the relationships. Um, our partner, his name is Carly McClellan. He um, has really been a champion for our work and he has fought so hard for um, continuing this relationship and showing the value of this, these data to um, their lands. And I have personally learned so much from him. Um, and I think in, in my, my relationships with indigenous, the indigenous community, um, they're great storytellers. And Carl is just a fantastic storyteller. And and the way that he speaks about his land and um, his culture just makes you see the world in, in a new way. And so for me, it's been really eye-opening and um, such a rich experience to have these people who I consider friends now um, teach me about the world and, and how they view the world and um, be really open to telling these stories um, about who they are and where they came from and um, how we all connect to earth in, in some way. So, um, yeah, I think for me, it's just been the, the relationships, um, and just, just learning and listening and hearing these stories have been, um, just incredible. Well, it's really nice to hear that, you know, you're, you yourself are also getting something out of the relationship and being able to experience this different this different perspective on life and we'll also be able to give them a tangible product that they can use to benefit themselves. Do you have any, uh, do you have any other uh, things you would like to point out to people or mention that we didn't get to discuss that you think are of importance or just you'd like to let people know of? Um, well, I think we covered a lot of it. Um, you know, I just hope that we can continue these efforts and continue to listen to one another and continue to value indigenous knowledge in the same way that we value um, what we consider Western science. Um, and I think that there's a lot to be learned um, from from everyone, really. So, so yeah, I'm just really thankful and, and grateful to be part of these projects and uh, hope that they continue and hope that um, we can really, you know, get get the work going and continue the work and um, have show value in in continuing this work. So, um, yeah, but I think we covered most most everything. <laughs> well, 
Awesome. Thank you for taking time to be able to speak about this on this really important subject and, and being able to share it with a lot of people.